Welcome to the Redemption Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information, feel free to visit our website, redemptionshill.com. This is now concerning the collection for the saints. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collection when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Verse 4. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Let's pray. God, we praise your name. Lord, we seek to believe and obey the words that we sing this morning, God, that that your praise would be on our hearts and on our lips in all that we do. Lord, we ask this morning that your spirit would guide us not only through worship, but Lord, through your word. That God, you would speak to us, that you would change us. Lord, that when we come back together, Lord, that we would be able to lift hearts of gratitude, hearts of repentance, hearts that long for more of you, God. Lord, we praise your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. A little belated happy Thanksgiving. I'm hoping my prayer was that you guys would all gain at least two to three extra pounds so that you would be ready for winter, right? Put on that good warm weight on to keep you nice and warm through the winter. Now, uh, what I want to do before we get started is also pray over us in this time as we go into this text. So if you can, join me one more time for prayer. Father, we... We just ask for your help this morning as we go over um, something that's very practical, but also something that's, that has to do with our hearts. So, Father, when we, when we talk about giving or, or money or finances or generosity, um, tithing, all those things, that you would just open our hearts to what it is that you have to say to us this morning. Um, more than that, I pray that that you, of all things, Jesus, would be lifted up, that your gospel would be central to what we talk about this morning, and that you are made much of. So, Lord, take this, take this message, do with it what you will, work in our hearts, in our minds. Please send your spirit to help us to understand what your word has for us this morning. Your word says that it will not return void, and we are trusting you with that, Lord. So we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, this morning we, we get to talk about money. And, you know, obviously no one's jumping up for joy. I understand. But um, after maybe hearing the text being read out loud, maybe you're, you're interested to see how this will go or... Honestly, some of you might have just taken a long sigh, right, and said, why? Right, why? Well, let me, let me just encourage you. Don't check out, right? But listen to what God has to say this morning in regard to this particular area of our lives. So please don't check out. Hear me out, please. And, you know, one of the cool challenges that we, we have here of preaching through whole books, because we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, 
is that you come across areas that maybe are difficult, somewhat controversial, or even challenging. So what I wanted to do to kind of just realign our hearts to this idea of giving, um, I wanted us to kind of kick it off with some foundational kind of truths that we've just been able to gather over this entire series. And this will just serve as a reminder, right? It helps us to refresh what we've covered. Otherwise, we just, we take the risk of just isolating this one passage and not seeing where this all fits in this, this big picture. So let's get into it. What I, what I did, I kind of arranged it into like kind of like a creedal statement, right? So it goes, we believe the gospel applies to all of life, right? We can't, we can't apply it to just one place of our lives and not let it speak into other areas of our lives. We can't curtain off or section certain areas of our lives away from Jesus. We believe that the church should be united, right? Different parts, but one body. We believe that Jesus resurrected, which gave us a way out of the destruction that we've caused ourselves and the destruction of sin. We believe that God has equipped all of us in either similar or different ways for the purpose of building up this family. We have giftings that enable us to to serve and to love one another well. We believe because he resurrected that we also one day will be resurrected. We believe that since, like Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory, we are empowered to be steadfast and immovable. So then we can say, well, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? We believe because of this victory, we can abound in God's work, knowing that our labor won't be in vain. Now, you see how the gospel applies to all of life. These are things that we've covered over the last however many messages, especially within the last four to five weeks that we've been talking through 1 Corinthians. Right? And we, in the backdrop, there's just all this dysfunction that we've also seen early on in the book. And one thing we've learned is that the resurrection is part of the gospel. It's one of the central parts of the gospel. And through that resurrection, we have victory. But as is our tendency at times, we compartmentalize parts of our lives. We kind of section off this part. The gospel can speak here, but it can't speak there just yet or ever. Now, I have to be honest. At first glance, when I read through this text, I wasn't inspired. I wasn't very motivated. It didn't, it didn't get me pumped up. What I thought to myself, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you guys, so we got to talk about money. Really? Can't 
can I just leave that part to Dave Ramsey? Right, that he's really good at dealing with money. And that's kind of, that's the point. The point is that the path of least resistance is the most attractive path. So let's just skip over these four verses. No one will notice. Right, you can talk about everything else. Let's talk about everything else. But don't, don't touch my bank account. Right, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it just be better if we didn't talk about money? No, I think ultimately it would be harmful for us not to talk about that elephant in the room. And then as I started thinking more, you know who, you know who talked about money a lot? A lot of you know the answer to this. Jesus. Jesus talks about money a whole lot. This is red letter territory. And the, the best part is that Jesus actually talks about money usually in relation to our hearts. And probably his most popular passage when it comes to money is in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where Thieves do not break in and steal. For where, here we go, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about heaven or hell. Money is a big deal to Jesus, whether we want to admit it or not. Now, that doesn't make him a prosperity preacher. But he knew what our hearts would be like in relation to our bank account or our finances, how, how we would have such a tight grip on those things. And listen, I get it. We depend on money to make ends meet, right? We're all trying to live, right? Without it, we can't, we can't make our car payments. We, we can't do our mortgage payments or um, keep the lights on in our homes, something as simple as that. So... This isn't a call to abject poverty. I'm not calling you to be a bunch of homeless people. So don't, don't go there. That's off the table. Abject poverty, off the table. If anything, this is just, this is what it is. It's, it's a perfect time, especially with Christmas coming up, to evaluate how you give, right? Not only that, and if it costs you anything to give. Giving is a huge, crucial element to church life. If you've been listening over the last four, five weeks, especially over the spiritual gifts, it requires you to give. And a helpful way to kind of think through this, and we've, we've covered this before, is through three different categories, right? Time, talent, and treasure. I'll call it three T's for short. So we've been able to cover at least two of these over the course of this series, right? First, time. One of, the, one of the best ministries any of us could ever offer to anyone is our time, right? It doesn't really take any special talent to give time to somebody, right? It's not really, it's not really hard to do. It's 
kind of low-hanging fruit. You just open up an hour in your calendar, and you sit down with somebody, and you spend time with them. My father told me when I was young that the bulk of his pastoral ministry was what he called the ministry of presence, right? Simply being present and giving his time to the people who needed it most. So why is our time so important? Well, how we spend our time reveals both the things that train our heart, right? It, it, it reveals what's, what's precious to us. So where our time goes, there our hearts will be also. Every week, a couple friends of mine here, we kind of, what we do for accountability is that we, we compare our phone time usage, right? Apple likes to send you this nice little report that shames you, <laughs> right? By, by weekly, a weekly report, sending you this nice little report with a, with a daily average hour, even down to the minutes, which is even worse, right, of the time you've spent daily on your phone. You, you might have turned that off your phone, right? And that's okay, because you probably spend too much time on it, but I've kept it on. And it's, it's pretty sobering for me when, when I get a notice that my daily average was six and a half hours of daily usage. Right? And even, even it breaks the time down even more. If you, if you really want to feel horrible about yourself, they'll, they'll whittle it down to the things that you spend the most time on. So Instagram was getting about two hours of that, Right? It was just mindless, what it was, it was just mindless, numb, numbing waste of time. Which challenged me, and I challenge you, what do you spend your time on? Next, talent. God, God has gifted each one of us with innate abilities to do something or things that serve to build the body and to give God glory. One of the, one of the beautiful and awesome things about being in this gathering are the diverse giftings that we've got here. We've, we've all been given to build this family up. Right? And Paul says in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. God and his goodness through the spirit has equipped us with giftings for the purpose of building this family up. Look at that. God Get this. God has arranged the body in such a way that we need each other. Why? For the common good. We need each other. I need you. You need me. So if you've ever felt like you're not wanted or you don't have anything to offer, you're wanted here. You have giftings. God has empowered you with giftings through his spirit, and they're needed here. And then treasure. That's what we get to speak into today. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about treasure, specifically in two different locations. He talks about treasures on earth, and he instructs us to not store those treasures up where they can just sit around, collect dust, and decompose. Instead, Jesus encourages us to to store treasures in heaven, right? We... When we are storing up treasure, finances, money, thing, you know, investments, 
we should do that with an eternal perspective. Right? On the one of the main things we can invest in is by investing in the body of Christ. So where are you investing your treasure? God has created us to be stewards. Stewards of our time, stewards of our talents, stewards of our treasure. And all of these things are a gift from God. Time, talent, and treasure are all things that are gifted to us from God. So today we get the joy to speak about treasure, specifically money and giving. So this won't be, this is what this won't be. It won't be a course on balancing your checkbook. Right? We're not going to be creating budgets, although maybe that's something you may feel convicted to do after this. If anything, this will be just a really good time to examine our own hearts in relation to our finances and giving. Right? I don't know about you, but last week, I walked out of here pumped up. Right? It was one of those kind of like you pound your chest kind of messages. We're, right? We're just out here proclaiming death is swallowed up in victory. Right? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Whole lot of trash talk going on, right? I am untouchable because of Christ. Chest all puffed up, maybe it shouldn't be. Then Paul's like, what about them finances? <laughs> right? It's kind of how it feels, right? We, oh, death, where's your sting? Let's check your bank account out. Let's see what that budget looks like. Right? Way to kill the vibe, Paul. Well, no. Let's look at this passage within its context. Paul has just finished telling the church, you are victorious because of Jesus. And because of this victory, you are immovable and steadfast, abounding in God's work. Empowered, right? That's empowerment. Paul is just empowering his church that you... You can do these things. And Paul's just hammering, hammering with gospel. Part of the responsibility that we have in pursuing God's work requires us to examine our own hearts too and how we can contribute to that work that needs to be done. Question, do you want God's work to be done? Now, because of this victory, we can, we can boldly explore areas of our hearts that we usually fearfully keep hidden away. And giving happens to be one of those areas. So Paul isn't, he's not trying to be a killjoy, right? And he's saying that since we have this victory, since we, he's saying we can abound in God's work, Part of pursuing God's work is contributing to God's work. And God intends to accomplish his work through your efforts and your giving. That's why we talk about time, talent, and treasure. These are the things that you have to contribute to the work that God has purposed for us. So after this chest-pumping uh, you know, battle cry, King Jesus is coming. 
He gets practical, which can feel a little underwhelming. I'm not going to lie. But I think it has some important guidelines for us to implement, especially into how we give. So let's work through the, the practicalities of this text. Paul starts off in a sense like he is answering a question from the church, especially in verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. Right? Sounds like Paul's answering a question. Are we taking up a collection? Yes. Paul is taking a collection. But for what? Why is Paul taking a collection? For the church. For the saints. Right, so he's not just pocketing this money for personal use. It's not him to put it in his bank account. He's not storing it away somewhere. Giving in the church is meant to provide for the church. This isn't only something the Corinthians were doing either. It was an expectation that Paul set in every church. Giving is a universal practice in the church. Every church Paul started, he implored them and, and encouraged them to give. So, another thing is that Paul isn't suggesting that you give, right? Maybe you should give. There's no maybe there. And this is the part maybe some of us might not like, and that's okay. Giving is an obligation. Giving isn't something that some of us do. It's not meant for just a select few, but giving is something we all do. We should all be giving. So you might be asking yourself, but why should I give? I'm glad you asked. For the saints. The same answer that Paul gives to us. For the saints. That's the answer. You should give for the people around you at this present time. Because giving benefits all the saints. It benefits the church. Hold up. So you're saying I should give to the saints out of obligation. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, doesn't God love a cheerful giver? He does. God does love a cheerful giver. And that's the thing. A lot of people really feel this way. Right? We need to feel good about giving. And that's why we got to talk about it. People feel that obligation takes the joy out of giving. And this is what I think it comes down to. I think it comes down to we like the freedom of choice. We think our freedom of choice is at the root of our sense of self-dignity. Now, obligation will steal your joy. Pretty, I'm pretty sure about this. Obligation will steal your joy if your joy is rooted in you. Now, flip that. Obligation won't steal your joy if your joy is deeply rooted in Jesus. If the level of joy you operate at is fueled by what you do and who you are, you will be miserable. You will run out of gas, you will throw in a towel, and you'll quit before you even started. And most of the time, giving will be a struggle for you. Paul then goes on to explain the win of giving. 
In verse 2, Paul says, so here's the win. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Now, because giving is a universal practice, giving then became systematic every, on the first day of each week. So the first day of each week, contributions were made for the collection. Right, this just further emphasizes the obligation that we all have to give. Now, I don't want to continue to hammer on the obligation, but I do want to talk about the personal nature of giving. Right? He, he, Paul speaks about this personal aspect of our giving. He emphasizes each of you, each of us. He did this when he talked about spiritual gifts, talents. He talks about this when it comes to giving. We all, all of us have a personal responsibility when it comes to our talents, our gifts, We all have a personal responsibility when it comes to giving our earthly treasure, a.k.a. money. Giving is personal. Each of us are to give. And like like I said the last time I was up here, again, we're not spectators. We are participants. Everybody gets picked to play in this game. We each have a role to play in God's plan. And Paul includes everybody in it. Like I said earlier, it'd be easy to to skip these four verses because the truth is that talking about finances can be a dicey matter. We get defensive. Some of us don't like that reminder that, that maybe, and this is the truth, that maybe we've mismanaged our money. People don't like the reminder that you might be a little stingy. Or maybe they hate the feeling that they're struggling to make ends meet. That's real. That's real life. I get it. So, but we still know what we have to do now, right? So Paul, Paul gives us the, the why and the when of, of giving. But it's, it's something that's extremely difficult to follow through on. You might be sitting there now thinking, and I don't think anybody is, but I dare Dennis to ask us to open up our checkbook so we can sow a seed into Redemption's Hill. Actually, as a matter of fact, no, I'm just joking. I will get up and walk out. I feel you. So would I. If that happened here, I would walk out. But that's not going to happen. That's not what we do here. But I'll say this. Your, Your budget says a lot more about your heart than you know. Right? Giving, if giving is a, is to the church is an afterthought, if that's like the last thing at, at the end of the line when it comes to your budget, <clears throat> right? you got to plan your finances around the, the cool stuff you want to do, these vacations or, or hit these cool spots or, or whatever might be going on. Right? Where Jesus, when Jesus takes over our life, that, that includes your budget. If, if you have trusted him with your life, then that means you've trusted him with your future. Listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not trying to make anybody feel bad or just heap this guilt on your heads. Instead, let me, let me, let me motivate you. 
to give, right? I think, I think the most powerful motivator to give is this kind of this weekly occurrence that we see that Paul is talking about, right? The first day of each week. This makes, this makes giving part of our weekly gathering, which then makes giving part of our worship. When we submit to this kingly Jesus, we don't compartmentalize or choose which sections of our lives we want to submit. Jesus wants it all. And the cool thing about Jesus is that he'll get it all in the end. You know what, check this out. <clears throat> in my study, th- there was this really cool thing I didn't make slides for because I didn't know if I was going to go into it. But part, Paul goes into this, into this cool kind of part in chapter 4 of Philippians where he talks about, if you have your Bible, just go ahead and jump there if you're using an app in, Cl- in Philippians 4. <clears throat> Verses 14, we'll start there. Where he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left to Macedonia, when I left Macedonia, I'm sorry, no church, so no church entered into par- partnership with me in giving and receiving. So no, no one was helping Paul out when he left Macedonia. He was, he was, he was doing his ministry work. Except for the Philippians, it's like, except you only. Verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So the Philippians help, consistent, once and again. They were very consistent in helping and giving to Paul's ministry. Right? Not that I seek the gift, so Paul's not even looking for it, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment. And more. I am well supplied because of their giving. All right? I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul calls their financial giving a fragrant offering. In Ephesians 5 2, Paul uses the same words. He says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Get it? A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Remember, giving is part of our worship. The same wording that Paul uses for financial gift, he uses for Christ offering himself up for us. Our gift, our giving is a fragrant offering that makes God look great. This is our worship. Giving is worship. Giving says, hey, I trust God. Giving says generosity is powerful. Giving says that I have submitted to King Jesus. This is worship. Giving is worship. It's a fragrant offering. It's it's a sacrificial offering. So Paul practically puts giving as as in money and the collection of money as part of our weekly gathering. So we give our time, we give our talents, and we give our treasures. Every part of worship, whether you 
or work in hospitality, whether you're working sound or slides, whether you are breaking down chairs, tear down and set up, or you put money in that box back there. These are all aspects of worship. You are giving your time, your talent, and your treasure for the kingdom. In the last two weeks, we've been developing this eternal perspective, right? This, this great vision of Jesus coming back for his bride so that death is swallowed up in victory. So look at, this, look at how that, that works. We see this kingly Jesus. He's coming back for his bride, and he's claiming what's rightfully his. And that's the point. You belong to him. Let me repeat that. You belong to him. You are no longer your own. Look at this. Because you belong to him, right, you can worship him in your giving. Actually, let me go a step above. You can faithfully and boldly give while entrusting your future to him. He is going to take care of everything. On top of giving being part of our weekly gathering, giving is also, this is really practical, to be in proportion to our income. Paul says in the second part of verse 2, he says, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Now, this is why we practice a tithe, right? This echoes the tithing principle that was laid out in the Old Testament. But it also, honestly, it's just pragmatic. It makes sense, right? If you, if you give and you want to know how much to give or you don't, you're not sure, well, a good standard that we start with is 10%, a tithe of 10% of your income. This is just on a practical level, right? So if you're wondering how much to give, or you're not sure how to give or want to give, a good standard, kind of a baseline way that we work thing, that out here is a 10% tithe. Now, on a heart level, there are implications here, right? He, Paul talks about putting aside and storing up. What does that imply? This implies that we should take the church into consideration as we plan our budgets. Now, I grew up in church, so at times the word tithe is like a curse word to me, right? It gives off this negative connotation. So what do you do? You don't give. But I'm going to play ball with you for a second. Let's consider replacing the word tithe. This is a lot better word, right? Generosity. All right, let's not use tithe. We're going to replace it with generosity. That's a lot more of an acceptable term I've learned. It's a nicer word. But honestly, that word doesn't really shirk you of your responsibility to give either. Right? That, it's just a nicer word. Because the Bible is filled, especially Jesus, with references of how believers should be generous. Generous to the people who preach the gospel to you, generous to the church, generous to those who are in need, the least of these. When it comes down to it, tithing is just part of it, right? It's just part of it. 
and I'm, I'm not even really hammering at tithing, right? I mentioned 10% maybe once or twice. But I, I, think, I think we're called to more. Generosity is more than tithing. Generosity is sacrificially giving. Now, I'm not smart enough to kind of put a cool quote together, but Kent Hughes is a lot smarter than I am, and he, he says, Christians, and this is for us, Christians ought to give in such a way that there are things we forego in order to be generous. Are you, are you willing to forego the things you enjoy to pursue generosity? Generosity is a distinguishing mark of what it means to follow Christ and to be in submission to Christ. Generous with our time, generous with our talents. Lastly, but just as important, generous with our treasures, our finances. Now, the last thing I want to do today is make this sound like a fundraiser, right? I didn't send you a link to, to donate or anything like that. I'm not here trying to raise money for a cause, but this, if there is a cause to give to, I would say the cause of Christ is the most worthy one to give to, right? We, we, we are pursuing kingdom-minded work with the purpose of lifting Jesus' name up here in Columbia and the Red Cross is cool, Salvation Army is cool, the food banks are cool, but man, we, you have a really good cause for good here to give to. Why should you give though? Why should you be generous? Right? And this is the best part. If there's anything to be motivated by to give, let your motivation be the gospel. Right? Do, you, do you want to truly be a cheerful giver? Do you want to be generous? Right? And the answer to these lay at the feet of the most generous person to ever live, Jesus. There's no greater example of generosity in the history of life than Christ laying down his life for us. 2 Corinthians, two eight, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he says, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. One of the effects of the gospel going deeper into our souls is that it, what it does is it frees our fingers to loosen our grasp on things that we just hang on to so tightly. Now, a perfect example of this is Zacchaeus. I preached not long ago on Zacchaeus. He was nasty, filthy rich, right? And he extorted people for their money. And then he had people under him that extorted people for their money who paid up to him. But with, he had this encounter with Jesus. Jesus calls him. And then he changed all of that. The moment he met Jesus, he changed. The hands that was once used to steal from people were now being used to give back, but in excess. That's the effect that Jesus has on people. This is what a generous gospel looks like. We give 
above and beyond because Jesus gave it all. Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Has his generosity towards you made you generous toward others? God's generosity in giving us his son should influence our generosity in giving our resources away. Band, you can come back up. Now, every Sunday morning, we get this awesome opportunity to do the Lord's Supper. It's a beautiful evidence of grace. But today, if there's any place that we can be reminded of giving or generosity, it's at the table, right? Week in and week out, we are reminded that Jesus gave it all. And because he gave it all, we can, we can shout, oh, death, where is your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Right? My finances aren't mine. They belong to God. And you can, you can come to the table and say, Jesus, you gave it all, so I'm going to give it all too. I'm going to give above and beyond of what you've given me. Now, the band is going to play four more songs. And in those four songs, you are free to come up here. Anybody can partake. The only thing that we ask is that your faith be in Jesus. Now, on first, in 1 first Corinthians chapter 11, Jesus gives us, or Paul gives us instructions on how to, how to take the bread and the juice. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat it, eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And may we never forget it. Let's pray. If you can, just stand. Please. <clears throat> Father, we... We, we love you. Father, you have given us so much. You have provided for us. You have sustained us. You are a good, good father. You, <clears throat> you have taken a group of rebellious people and made them your children. You have, and then in your, in your goodness have decided to bring us together knowing that we all have something here that you have given us to give in service to you. One of those things happened to be money. And sometimes we have just this tight, clutched hand around our money 
and it just turns out that that's where our hearts are also. So, Father, would you challenge us? Would you challenge us to, to, to look at how we can give to your efforts towards your mission, towards the church? I pray for anybody who just may be hardened towards this, this idea of giving. Would you, would you go and work in their hearts? Would you help them to see that this is the cause to give to? And that all of this is done for worship. That giving is worship, Lord. Because giving makes Jesus look great. Father, would you, would you make us the most generous people around here? Make us just generous. Let's, you know, whether it's with our time, our talents, and in our treasures, all three, Lord, make us generous people. Realign our hearts towards the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.